Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. Hello there. I'm Andy Wood. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, still. Still, I. You know what? I'm impressed. Well, I've known you for a while now, and I'm impressed by how long you've remained Andy Wood. I am steadfast in my woodness. Yeah. <laughs> you have, and I'm your Andiness. Yeah. Every part of that. I was Andrew for a summer. It didn't stick. No. Were you always even Andy as a kid? Yeah. Like one one summer I was working at a job where my badge said Andrew Wood, so everyone just started calling me that and I was like, Yeah, I'm twenty now, so I'm gonna be Andrew. And then like two weeks in I'm like, it's fucking Andy. This I'm gonna wear a tie and be in charge. Yeah. That didn't uh, I have spreadsheets. I'm Andrew Wood. (laughs) I did have spreadsheets. I still have spreadsheets. (laughs) Yeah, Andy has a lot of spreadsheets too. Spreadsheets. He does. Hey, we got a guest today. Comedian, podcaster, writer, the host of Two different podcasts, both the Smalley Effect and Dogma Debate, both on podcast one. It's David Smalley. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. How you doing? Just to be clear, I've never been Andy Wood. Never. Nor have I ever been... Most of our guests have at least dabbled. I've never been Andy, either. (laughs) Always always David, too. Never Dave. You were never Dave or or Davey. Davey. Yeah, and I don't mind being called Dave, but it just, for some reason, it just never... But Davey seems... uh, That's too much. Well, I knew a Davey, and I hated him. (laughs) He was so weak and frail and mean to everybody at the same time. I've never yeah. seen a bully so unable to protect himself. <laughs> it was so odd. I can't picture a bully Davy. Like yeah. he was, yeah, he was bullying me. We were in like, I don't know, seventh, sixth, sixth grade or seventh grade. We got into a fight. I beat him up and then felt bad about it. <laughs> like that's how frail and insignificant he was. <laughs> so yeah, don't ever call me Davy. Dave, David, I'm fine. But no one's ever really called me Dave too much. I'm so. just, uh, I... I'm normally Matt these days, but people who knew me when I was younger and family, I'm still sometimes... You know what? Are you Matty? No, I'm Matthew. I'm Matthew. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, okay, sorry. But, but you know what? I actually feel weird when, like, my mom... If my mom ever calls me Matt, that feels weird. That feels wrong. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, I couldn't imagine my mom calling me Dave. Yeah. Or Smalley. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, the small stuff. Yeah, like what if everyone in the family called each other by their last yeah. names? Yeah, mom, what are you? Are you my coach? Yeah. What's going on right hey, now? Hey, Big D, get in there. Oh, Wait, no. It's just whipping you with a towel. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I think about like if I ever have kids, uh, the list of names keeps getting shorter because like, there's someone you can think of for every possible name. You're like, ah, but that person. You know, yeah. the more people you meet, the more names are ruined for possible children. Yeah. yeah. So you end up with that's. I think that's why people end up with these weird names. You know, recently, like everybody's like going with unconventional shit because like no one knows a. Yeah. I did a, that. A Caden from their past or whatever. And that's not a, you know, not not that kind of weird, but like yeah, why trendy names happen because it's probably just, just unusual spellings. Yeah. Like, yeah. I named I named my daughter Talissa. So really? Yeah. So Alyssa with a T. Talissa. Yeah. And we've only met like two other people on the planet with that name. So perfect. That's great. Yeah, no one gets confused. It's something that, like, they when they meet her and discover that she's white, they're usually like, "What?" <laughs> like, like on both sides, and they're like, "Yep." And then they're okay. Even yeah. if they meet her having first met you, yeah. Oh yeah, they just assume that if my daughter's named <laughs> Talissa, that, wow. that 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 my that her mother is uh, some sort of other ethnicity because of her name. Interesting. Yeah. How did you guys come up with it? We actually just really liked the name Alyssa. But it was so common at the time, and we were like, how can we go about this? And then my sister's name is Tammy, uh, Tammy Renee, and then she had a daughter named Latasha Renee, and so we took the T from Tammy, stuck it with Alyssa, and named my daughter Talissa Renee. And did nice. you, you did some Googling just to check and everything? Actually, no. We no. Didn't, didn't look into that at all. 
Really? Oh, yeah. I'm just wondering how much due diligence you're meant to do when you're sort of when you're picking a kid's name. Right. When you're like, you do the thing of like, what can it be shortened to? What do the initials spell out? Is there anything backwards? Like, or you're just trying, trying to bully-proof your kids. Are you thinking of the Nicholas Cage SNL sketch? One of my favorites of all time. You, you, you should know by now, oh, in yeah, all the years SNL. we've been doing this yeah, show, that yeah. almost never, when you quote an SNL sketch from before five years ago, I have a ne- almost never heard of it. That's the premise of like an early '90s SNL sketch when Nicholas Cage is hosting. Every name his wife suggests, he shoots down. He's like, "What about what about Ben?" He's like, "No, what? they're gonna be like, hey, hey, Ben, where's where's Jerry? Give us some ice cream, or we'll beat you up." Like every possible name, he had a reason why a kid's gonna get beat up. And I, I don't know how it heightens throughout the sketch, but then the twist is at the end, like someone's at the door. He's like, delivery here for Asswipe Jones. He's like, it's Oswipe. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah I, I, wish, I wish it was that well thought out. I wish we had gone through and Googled and thought about initials. And it was either that or a couple of 20-year-olds smoking weed going, Alyssa, Balissa, Kalissa, Dulissa. <laughs> Felissa, <laughs> and we ended up on Talissa. You got all the way, hey, almost all the way through. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Talissa. And we stopped and gave up on T. Yeah, it's a good name. Hey, David, yeah. we like to ask our guests this before we get deep into the stories. Right. What, what if anything, is your background in science? And I think this is going to be an interesting one because I know you had an interesting upbringing. <laughs> I did. I was born and raised in Texas, so I learned the word science when I was twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it it was um, the the public schools in Texas are not pro science too often. I can uh, yeah, attract, but, attract. but particularly because so, we've had a few people who grew up in various on the show who grew up in various parts of the South. But you had a you had a particularly southerny, very southern, very typically t- southern upbringing. Yeah, very Christian, very um, fear God. He's watching you all the time type thing and anytime science became starting to intersect with something that went against the bible then science was obviously wrong right and if it started to make sense it was because the devil was deceiving you (laughs) so even though you're like logically i think this does make sense well don't let the devil get in your head now you know so would your science teacher then have to like allow themselves to be temporarily taken over by the devil like i'm just going to channel the i'm going to teach you i i legally have to teach you this one course so i'm just going to allow the devil to take me for a half hour period i wish they would have said that they would just skip the stuff they were legally supposed to talk about Wow. Like they were supposed to talk about medically accurate sex education and we were taught abstinence only because that's what our health Damn. that's what our health teacher thought was best for us. So now now you host shows and stuff like uh, dogma debate you you have people on who are religious but you take the opposite point of view you now cuz I think it's fairly safe to say you live in the sort of skeptic-y that world. Oh, absolutely. So I am what some you- would call an atheist. All right. <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Was that Alexa? <laughs> Amazing. God. Yeah. I really if hope the audience didn't hear that. I really hope the mics picked that up clearly enough. We can maybe try and bump up the volume yeah, on in that. Post. I'm gonna yeah. make. I'm gonna make that louder because uh... <laughs> that was you. <laughs> David saying I am was called an atheist and then Alexa <laughs> sorry I do not know this one. <laughs> did you get a knockoff Alexa from Texas yeah right holy shit <laughs> Tele- Alexa. is that Alexa? Alexa Alexa where are you from I'm from Amazon headquarters in Seattle Washington 
Lies. Uh, Lies, Telexa. Also, apologies for just making everyone else's... Um, <laughs> I, I, I listen to Jordan Jesse go, and he keeps making my A-L-E-X-A do things. <laughs> like, he says he says that word, play jungle sounds, and then I have to shut her up, and uh, <laughs> she'll do that. That's funny. That yeah, so so it was, it, it was a very interesting upbringing, because anytime science, you know, like I said, started to win out or make sense, it was, it was pushed away, and it was, it was very... But at the same time, I have to take into consideration the way my mom was raised was much, much worse, very abusive and very sheltered. And so considering what she went through, mine was, you know, not that bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, hey, I made it out and um, and ended up uh, finding my way to college. So what did you do at college? Um, My background originally was criminal law. And I was in for two years, and I took a criminology course, which is the study of psychology of criminals. And I was hooked on that, so I changed my entire degree plan over to psychology. And I ended up ah. in school for five and a half years with no degree. Because... Because you um, kept just going like, oh, this is even better. This is even No, I only shifted once. I only tra- changed once, but not too many credits switched over. And then I hit what's called the uh, federal student loan limit for undergrads. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up, they were like, hey, you know, you can finish your last three classes if you pay us $2,000 a month. Yeah, and shit. I was like, I'll get back to you when I'm rich and famous. <laughs> so I'm working on that step now. So, ha- so. I get, I, this has come up before on the show that the American system is very different to the British one. So you still have three credits or whatever shy of a degree that's still just in your account that at any point you could just finish those credits and then you just get your... It's three classes, so it's technically... uh, They were five credit classes, so it's technically 15 credits away. But once I get that, then I can go back and finish up like one class and get an associate's and finish two classes and get a second bachelor's. Like I have so much, but yeah, I I have to pay all that money. It would cost me about six grand. And then I could go back and finish. But if out. you had the time and the inclination for six grand and spending a few months, yeah, you could suddenly then walk out with three, two degrees, three, three, de- three degrees, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. And there's no time limit; they don't ever expire. No, you know, some I think some schools, if you if you drop out for long enough, because I think it's notable that Stanford doesn't for some reason. Like I heard that in a podcast recently that no matter how old you are, if you're a Stanford dropout, you can go right back to school. Oh wow. Like, you know, I don't know. I need to look into later. that because maybe there is. And I may have to let you on the rowing team, right? And yeah. they have to, <laughs> rules are rules. <laughs> oh, there's nothing in the rules the that Rudy says uh, an 80 year old can't play basketball. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, we got some uh, some emails about. Oh, I guess we didn't get any more um, Dick Tracy challenge people. I no, was hoping but for more. The one we had, what a treat! Oh, yeah, it did, it did. It made it all worthwhile. What an absolute treat! Well, yeah, there was a little bit. About swim, so we had a listener, Justin Earlwood, write in about how the Commonwealth Games were happening in Australia at the moment, and he was wondering about swimming being in an outdoor pool if they take into account wind, and I was like, I've never heard of that being a thing. Well, hang on. I, I was wondering about that for hmm. a couple of reasons. Firstly, aren't most races two lengths? So it, even if wind is there, you're going in... There's only one in, in long course, which is what all the world does, like 50-meter pools. There's only one race that's one length, which is the 50 free. Okay, so there is that one race because everything else you're going to be going both with and against the true. But that doesn't mean the wind is going to be the same speed when you get down there that it's going to be when you're coming back. That's true. It could shift. That's also true. But I mean, like in what? What is it? Like in forty seconds or so. But also, like so little of your body is out of the water, and these days people spend even more time underwater because that's people are realizing that's a more efficient. Like I said before, if you could legally do a fifty free underwater just dolphin kicking, there are some people who would be able to be probably the finals Olympics. Well, that makes sense because the more, if you're good enough at using your body, the more of your body is in contact with the thing that you're propelling against, the better. 
I guess that's it. I, 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 guess. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's really simple fluid stuff or i mean it's it seems pretty complicated because if it weren't someone would have figured out once and for all what the most efficient way of swimming is uh, there wouldn't be these changes like every decade or two in technique but there are still so it's... I, anyway simon who did the who who did the dick tracy challenge and beat 20 seconds running 100 meters said because we asked a bit about about his process should we back this up please for David? <laughs> please explain what the hell is going on this I... is two episodes ago for where for a very contrived series of reasons, we firstly challenged the listenership to see how fast they can run 100 meters and see, because I was pretty sure that I could do it quicker than Usain Bolt can run 200 meters. Okay. That was my, and I was like, I don't know where I could do this, but listeners, if you have access to 100 meters and a friend who can time slash film you, then please do it. And there was also a separate Dick Tracy theme in that episode. So suddenly it became the Dick Tracy challenge. So it has nothing to do with Dick Tracy. No, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Okay. Nothing at all. But However, the, the that's Martin all I've deal. been thinking this yeah. whole time is what the hell does 20 meters or 100 meters have Well, to now do? it kind of does he have He did do it in a fedora and a, a trench coat. Okay. Well, I'll show you. And then at the end of the run, he does a little jump, which he explained. This, yeah. Like, so he, we, asked, we asked about the measurement. I'll just read out the whole oh, yeah. email because, again, you deserve it, Simon, for making this video. Andy, are you able to get up that video? for uh, oh, David, while, David? I, sure. while I read the email. So Simon said, I measured and marked the 100 meters twice to be sure, but all I had was a five meter long tape measure. So already this is <laughs> such amazing. a hassle. The neighbors were confused and curious, but too British to ask me what I was doing. I just, while we're doing this, he's David's watching the video. <laughs> And he has he, to hold his head. He was going pretty fast. And yeah, then he said, he's, doing good. he's in khakis, a uh, uh, long coat. And, and he jumps at the end and he, he says, don't you remember the explosion jump that every late 80s, early 90s movie seemed to have with an explosion blast behind and the actresses? <laughs> the explosion jump. And he, it looked like he was, sorry, it looked like a bee suddenly came next to him <laughs> and he was just flailing at it. No, well, that is the explosion jump that 80s okay. and 90s movies seem to have where the explosion's behind and the actors jump onto mattresses or something, yep. I think, to simulate the blast. Uh... He also says, I am only a sample size of one, but I had chronic muscle problems in the back and shoulders after a motorbike crash, and for about two years, massage could provide temporary relief for a few hours. Proper medical physio alleviated symptoms for a few days, but eventually, after a course of acupuncture, I've not had problems ever since. This is also relating to the acupuncture talk from last week. While your assertions about pain management being more placebo may be correct, in my experience, where there was clear muscle damage, good acupuncture definitely permanently physically fixed things nothing else did. Probably. Wow. Probably. <laughs> Chuck's in a probably, Simon. So hold on. So how so, fast did he do it? It was, uh, was it 20 seconds? 19 seconds? Um, did he say in the tweet? It was, yeah. It was, it was around it, 20 seconds. It was, in the, it, was un, it was sub 20 seconds. I know. How far did 18.3 for there 100 meters. So and like how, almost double the time. Usain Bolt's record's 9.5, I think it was. Yeah, 9.54, I think it is. So did you so, ever do it, Matt? No, we still haven't had access to it. Uh, but, but I think the rule is you have to be doing in inappropriate footwear mm-hmm. and... Just casual clothes. I'll be do- I'll be Wait, running in jeans. Running inappropriate or inappropriate? I no in, inappropriate. In, in no, I don't know either. Non-appropriate footwear. In okay. Because he said you have to be inappropriate. Inappropri- yeah. In, inappropriate. In yes. inappropriate. You should not be inappropriate footwear. Okay. One, so you're not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the- so I'll be wearing. I'll probably be wearing these. I, okay. Of these shoes and my jeans. Yeah. Well, the, cha- the challenge is still open in case people thought it was closed. I want to do it. I want to do it. Hashtag Dick Tracy Challenge. For a very small, overweight, balding, middle-aged man, I'm pretty fast. 
I, you, I would love to do it. Can you beat that, you think? We're looking at Simon's... Uh, you put the balding in there like I it was a negative, but that would actually, if yeah, anything, do, reduce your air resistance. Yeah, no, that's good. Unless I had on the fedora. That's true, because of course, because then yeah. your lack of hair would make the fedora more likely to slip off, so you don't have to grab it more often. I think I can beat Simon. Yeah. Well, send us the video. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do this. Get a now. five meter tape and lay it out twenty times, and then have some neighbor kids <laughs> take a camera or a phone. Oh, oh Simon, man, you're the this best. is gonna be fun. Yeah, that was a treat of an email to receive. Yep. Oh, tweet rather, but yeah, what a what a video. <laughs> as long as we're doing mailbag, should we also do uh, the meth story, the meth thing? Either sure, let's do I, that. I, guys. I don't. I don't want to forget. So let me put this on my calendar. Uh-huh. Let's see. Um, Dick Tracy challenge tomorrow at three o'clock. Remind me to run like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, put down Dick Tracy challenge for three o'clock on my calendar tomorrow. <laughs> Well, if you have a calendar set up at home, hopefully I just mark that. No, I'm done. Alexa, stop. Siri is so much better. Okay, yeah, so we got an email from... Is this a person who cares about us using her name or not? I don't... I just emailed and haven't got a reply yet, so I'm going to... Even though the email is specifically about reducing stigma, we should probably check just... Oh, no, I was doing Parkinson's first. Oh, so. the other email. Do you want to okay. just use the first name? Sure. A listener named Casey. I mean, it's not like this is a thing that's negative on her as much as she's saying that we talked about the possible link between uh, various drugs and Parkinson's Mm -hmm. and um, I'll just read the email. Yeah, this is an email I thought you were going to read, so go for this one first. The very short, again, these are the words of listener Casey, the very short scientifically fuzzy version is do meth, get Parkinson's. You'll never hear an actual scientist put it that way, even though between you and me, they really want to. So, I mean, I, I don't take this all with a grain of salt, but um, we will, I'll link to this uh, Australia science uh, link with a video um, interviewing a doctor on the subject. So what she says is what happens if you take is if you take even the tiniest bit too much meth, it will damage the same neurons that are damaged in Parkinson's disease. It's not the frequency, it's the dose. This could happen the very first time you use meth and every time after. With this particular type of damage, once these neurons are affected, there's no getting them back. On the video, it specifically says like when, once they're killed, there's no getting them back. Um, the damage causes the same movement problems that Parkinson's causes, so clinically it looks a lot like the disease. Scientists are still trying to work it out, but they think that the neuron damage might then kickstart Parkinson's, whether it's because the person was inevitably going to get it or the meth caused it, they're not sure. But even the best case scenario where the person has neuron damage but no continual Parkinson's degeneration, they will still have movement problems and health and related health effects. So it sounds like it is safe to say that it damages some of the same areas that Parkinson's does, but it's just not. they're not sure whether it, like just does that acute damage or could then cause the continual... Either way, it sounds like the headline was... Don't do meth. Well, yeah, that's still... That's always yeah. a good takeaway yeah. from pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Casey goes on to say, I've basically become an evangelist about this subject since finding out about it last year. I covered it for my old workplace. Yeah, so the Casey works for this AustraliaScience.tv, I presume, and then says, it's really scary. Uh, we have a huge ice problem in Australia, and I genuinely think we're going to see an epidemic of Parkinson's and other movement-related health issues in the not-too-distant future. It's not just severe addicts this will happen to, but casual users as well. Uh, I'm your basic lefty. I believe in drug decriminalization at the very least, and I think it's hypocritical the way we encourage alcohol but vilify pot. But methamphetamines are fucking terrifying, and nobody should be touching them recreationally with a 10-foot pole. I think that's a safe uh, wow. side for us to be on on this one, is anti-meth. I don't think yeah, but I hadn't in and ask us to be more meth-tolerant. Well, I don't know, but that, that was well, really interesting to find out. that like, oh, yeah. It re- yeah. Meth, by the sounds of things, really is... It's the one drug that actually behaves the way the drug education te- 
You know when like they tell you at school like you do you do acid once and your brain is going to be fry for it ever like you take one pill and then people would just see their friends taking one pill and not that not happening so right. they're like but my friend took one pill and had a great time so there all of this is a lie but it does seem like one dose of meth can has at least the potential to permanently right. fuck you up. Yeah, in one of the articles that she linked to, uh, they had one sample group that was o- people that had used it only five times, and some of them still had the movement impairment that are related that's related to damaging those neurons, which are the same ones that Parkinson's do. So, yeah, stay away from meth, uh, whether it actually causes degenerative Parkinson's later or just similar movement impairments. Either way, you're fucking up neurons that aren't going to grow back, so don't do it. Yeah, that's a good position to be in. Yeah, I think I, that's, that's safe. I agree. So thank you, Casey, for writing in. Thank you, Casey. I, too, am a basic lefty. (laughs) Should we do the other email we were talking about? Yeah, why not? We were were just talking about whether we should name this person and then realizing that even the discussion of whether to name the person was sort of reinforcing the point she was making. Yeah, there's a real irony in here. It It was, I'll just say Claire. It was from our listener, Claire, and says, correction, Hi guys, just a note on the comment by Andy that was made on last week's show about wrestlers contracting herpes, the type that causes cold sores. Originally, type 1 was the cause of mouth herpes and type 2 was genital herpes, but nowadays you can get either infection in either place. I'm writing mainly because I hate the stigma that surrounds genital herpes when cold sores are relatively common. I've had genital herpes, which was type 1, traditionally the oral herpes, and have received bullshit when disclosing to a sexual partner. However, no one would ever ever ask someone if they ever had cold sores before making out like sorry before making out at a party after 10 vodkas <laughs> fair point further to my little rant the world health organization predicts that two-thirds of the world's population under 50 are carrying the herpes virus so people should really be more laid back about it by now just wanted to clear that up because there are lots of myths that get accidentally reinforced and it would be good if people could learn more about these topics yeah it is kind of a ridiculous stigma considering it's yeah. basically a skin condition so is it even <laughs> ridiculous that we were going like can we say no but yeah Thank you so much, Claire, for writing in, and that is all a very fair point. And yeah, the whole fact that type 1 and type 2 are no longer restricted to the two places that right, they were right, previously right. thought to be restricted. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I thought that growing up as well, because that was another thing that we were taught in yeah. my science classes, one, my is, health classes. One is upstairs and two is downstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and at the two-thirds number means, obviously, we have literally thousands of listeners uh, with this virus, and we're not trying to shame anybody. It's not, uh, yeah. Right. You know, and, and then it was, it was until, like I was saying earlier, I got into my 20s and started to understand science and started to, that this information came available to me. And I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's, you know. That's, but that specific fact, I think, is actually one that still a lot of people don't know. Yeah. That the two different viruses can be in either place? Or? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. That if, you can still get them. Yeah, I think start- that that probably came to me only I would say about three or four years ago that I found that out. Yeah, so I was late to that as well. And the internet also says things like you could have the virus forever, never have a breakout, and then just suddenly have one, and that could be like a real uh, fuck up relationship sort of thing because someone would would assume that meant you were just like cheating, yeah. but it could have just right. been dormant, and then yeah, yeah that's and- definitely a thing that happens. Like someone's like, but are you not slept with anyone but me in the last ten years? And actually, it was just they got it from someone. 15 just years ago never had anything happen or yet. they could have gotten it from you and you you're, you're you just have That's it and possible. you don't even know that you have it because you yeah. haven't had a breakout so anyway yeah i wasn't over- to, i wasn't stigmatizing wrestlers by the way i was just saying what a friend of mine who was a wrestler in college said was just everyone in the team it was it was an assumed thing that you get cold sores if you're on a wrestling team because you will kiss each other <laughs> it's a hot hot sport i want to do a 
story that was sent in by listener Vincent Fisher about paint and cars because we've done a few autonomous vehicle stories. It's definitely become a theme. It's sort of the, it's the 3D printing of, of the 2018 version of this podcast. Well, there's a 3D like printing story as well that we've got that, coming yeah. up. How, how paint jobs can make sensors and autonomous cars safer. High-tech pigments enable dark vehicles to be seen better. This article in The Economist starts off with a little quip from Henry Ford, who once quipped, it even uses the word quipped. It's quite a quip. That customers may have a car in any color they wanted, so long as it was black. Oh, that Henry Ford. <laughs> you know what? People are... I think Henry Ford gets left out of the, le- the list of great comedians. <laughs> the, the pantheon of the... I'd say he's probably my favorite. I mean, I'd, I think, you know, somewhere in the, in the Carlin Pryor, uh, you know, yeah. between those two somewhere? I don't know. Yeah. He only had the one joke, but... God. Belter. He's one of the most uh, solid industrialist comedians, I think. <laughs> yeah. I can't well, think, think about one, it. Really. Think about it. Comedians are always trying to... We're, we're always trying to go, what's my opener and what's my closer? <laughs> yeah. He nailed it all in it's one. True. All in one. He just go out. Genius. Thank you. Good night. And catchphrase. It's his opener, closer, and catchphrase it's simultaneously. Amazing. T-shirts, go merch. <laughs> Imagine the merch. <laughs> I'm going to go start oh. that weird town in South America dedicated to cornering the market on rubber or something. Did you ever hear about that? No. He had a weird. He had a little project. I forgot if it was called Fordville or Fordston or something. Uh, other podcasts cover it better. I forgot. Well, while you're looking that yeah. up, <laughs> black apparently, despite not being the only color of car anymore, remains popular. Some 17% of new cars sold around the world are black. Second only to... Do you want to take a guess at the most popular car color? White, by you far. Are correct, by a long yeah. way. It's 37%. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's Fordlandia, by the way. If you just Google Fordlandia, you'll find um, more intensive uh, podcast coverage of that noted yeah. so instead of doing the research you just say the word and then point to <laughs> I just heard to research on, podcasts I think so I heard cool. it I heard it I heard it on 99% Invisible which I think I plugged too much on here I you do that's great what, what no, I'm, I'm gonna start to. I'm gonna start I, doing that I think we're gonna start losing listeners to that podcast <laughs> that's a great podcast listen they it do is. a good job listen to them instead and then come back to us afterwards yeah. so white is popular particularly in hot countries because along with silver it's good at reflecting light including the infrared wavelengths that carry most of the sun's heat Black, grey, and other colours, in contrast, absorb light, therefore warming cars painted in those hues. Despite Ford's equivocations, none of this has until recently presented car makers with much of a problem. But this is changing because besides absorbing sunlight, dark shades also tend to absorb much of the signal transmitted from the increasing number of sensors being fitted to vehicles. Radar sensors are being used to operate safety systems such as automatic braking. They transmit radio waves and measure the time it takes for those waves to bounce back and any changes in their frequency. So pretty similar to that radar, basically. That's the radar system. From this, it is possible to determine the range, position, and velocity of objects around the vehicle. If some or all of the signal is absorbed instead of being reflected, though, radar sensors can miss things. The same is true of LiDAR, which is similar to radar, except it employs infrared laser light instead of radio waves. At present, LiDAR is big and bulky. The blob-shaped roof racks on self-driving cars are LiDAR sets. I did not know that. But miniature versions are being developed. Though self-driving cars have suffered setbacks recently, such as that person that Uber killed. Uh, oh, Uber test vehicle fitted with LiDAR, apparently. And a Tesla that's running on radar-assisted autopilot crashed and killed its driver in California. I didn't know that. I didn't know these different systems. Yeah. Tesla's radar, Uber, LiDAR. Both radar and LiDAR are likely to be used more widely 
as cars become more automated. I guess even if you're not having a self-driving car, more cars are fitted with sort of warning signals and beepers and things that'll... Yeah, why wouldn't you like that if you had the Automation-assisted... Self, self-parking and lane assistance and Exactly, like that. all that kind of stuff. So to improve the reliability of sensors, it would help if all vehicles are painted in colors that are good at reflecting a wide range of wavelengths. But that's not going to happen, for the same reason Ford eventually had to introduce other shades, namely car is an essential part of vehicle design and marketing. But PPG, a firm in Pittsburgh that is one of the world's biggest supplier of paints and coatings, believes it has an answer. Its researchers are tampering... I did not say either of those two words correctly. <laughs> its researchers are tampering... <laughs> are tampering with paint at a molecular level so that whatever color a coat of it appears to the human eye, it will still be highly reflective to the signals from a car's sensors. Hmm. Painting cars has become a high-tech process. Painted surfaces are now so good that cars barely rust as they once did. Arriving at this perfection involves the extensive cleaning and preparation of the surfaces in question and the spraying of several layers of different formulations of paint in very precise ways, usually by robots. Robots Robots taking our jobs. That was, um... That's why the grandfather from Small Wonder was so mad. (laughs) Wait... Was, God, you went way back. Did he there, actually man. have an anti-robot bias that was part of the plot of the that show? That was a I very important that. plot point of the show. That's why they had oh to. That's God. how they put in the stakes of having to keep a secret. This scientific marvel that's clearly a Nobel Prize winner Vicky, away from for everyone. Vicky, I, v, oh, what could the V have stood for? It was V I K I, but it's an acronym, right? Yeah, was, was one of them? Was the K kid? Maybe intelligent well, virtual kid in virtual. It's probably virtual. Yeah, I'm not going to Google it. We have to. <laughs> Damn it. You That's Google it while I continue reading yeah. this story. So the, the grandpa was kind of like the Akhmatics and Alf. He was like the yeah, exactly thing to keep and, Yeah, he was the neighbors that couldn't, yeah. or the other neighbors in Bewitched. Yeah. And by the way, I think uh, research shows that black cars and white cars both get fewer tickets as well. Interesting, and, and because they stand less out less? Well, maybe that, or maybe that most cop cars are also black and white, and they tend to be more friendly to things of their own color. Interesting. <laughs> Too soon? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke, but it's also probably like it's a also there, sorry, like, some like, some like I think it is, this might be something that's been debunked, but I think it is true that red cars are most, yeah. like bright well, red because, cars are most likely to be Because whenever cops are, are, are sort of like zeroing in on, on um, what car to point the thing at, you know, your eyes are going to go to bright yeah, red and bright yellow true. and things like that, you know. Um, it's V-I-C-I, by the way, which is Voice Input Child Identicant. <laughs> Identicant? I know, it's so forced. Jesus. As, now, <laughs> now I have to go to YouTube and catch up on all my... I know. I, know. I loved that show. Me too. I watched it all the time. I don't know how I didn't know that. I can sing the theme song right now, but I didn't... Very know important fact. Yeah. So can, the, we, can we test that? This is a probably science podcast. God You've made a claim... That you could okay, sing parts that. of parts of it. Well, let's go. I've got to go to YouTube. And, and I'm going to count show. that as a successful experiment. I, I agree. Yeah, so. very well yeah. done, sir. So, <laughs> as the layers dry of these robot painted paints, chemical reactions can change the size and spacing of the pigments within them to produce such effects as vibrant colors. Or to do this, came in the form of an aubergine, or as the Americans call it, eggplant. Oh, thanks for clearing that up. I, I believe it was just like someone sent a dick emoticon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the aerospace division of PPG had already solved a difficult, a different problem, that of keeping aircraft painted in dark colors cool by basing the ways they paint these aircrafts on the dark purple skin of aubergines. Instead of absorbing infrared radiation, an aubergine's skin permits such wavelengths to pass through. They are then reflected back out again by the vegetable's white interior flesh. 
That way, oh, an aubergine shit. in a sunny field remains cool. I wasn't aware that heat was such a problem to the aubergine, but apparently it is. Wow. By dispersing specially engineered pigments in a dark-colored surface layer over the top of a reflective white underlayer, PPG was able to achieve the same thing for aircraft paint. And as David Bem, PPG's chief technology ob- officer, observes, what works for solar heat also works for the sensor radiation bounced back from cars. This permits a similar approach to be taken to the painting of vehicle in dark, vehicles in dark colors. Dr. Bem also reckons that a reverse approach could be used to tone down in relevant frequencies road signs that are designed to be super bright to people, but blind lidars. Oh, in, yeah, that's a good point. In such cases, Dr. Bem says it's possible to re-engineer, to engineer the pigments and layers of paint in ways that retain the brightness of a human eyes, but tone down the dazzling effect on artificial ones. See that's interesting because have you ever have you ever taken a photograph of a road and yeah, it just blows out everything else? Yeah, and the yeah. Yeah. the road sign just flashes out. Like some of that anti paparazzi clothing that they make out of yeah. Stuff. yeah. So if you take a flash even if picture, just at a at a, an event, if you're at just at a music festival and take a photo of your friends and there's a security guard behind with a right, reflective right, right. vest, like the yellow the yeah. orange vest that has a couple of reflective stip, strips on it, yeah, that again just blows out the entire photo. Right. And I also just had a thought because they're saying you can't restrict what colors people are going to want because they're going to want what they want. But then you also can't really restrict the shape of cars. And I guess you'd be a douchebag to want this. But isn't the only reason that the B1 bomber is stealthy radar wise is because it's it has no rounded corners. It's all flat panels and then just abrupt corners between those panels. So the radar could bounce off, but only if one of those panels was directly Uh. perpendicular to it. And that's why it just shows up as kind of like a bird-sized thing instead of a plane. I don't know. Listeners, help us out on this thing. I bet there is also some extra technology with the paints in the surface, but that's definitely a major factor. There's probably parts of it that we're not allowed to know, right? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like... Is is all of it declassified? I don't know. Let's ask Alonzo Bowden, see if he still remembers. But I seem to remember it was mostly just the actual physical shape of the B1. I think you're right. I think you're right. So if someone wanted to make a car, you know, thinking like Lamborghini-ish thing, it's something with no rounded corners, they would be a real dick to other self Yeah, the Batmobile. Right, right, right. If you're driving so, around in a Batmobile, the newer version. And then, and then, what, Teslas are just bumping into you? Yeah. That's because exactly. they have no idea you exist. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Tesla just crashed in my Batmobile again. We've been through this. Like, I don't know what... <laughs> You've got to get a Prius and it'll avoid you. Or just... just put a reflective sash on your Batmobile. I know it looks stupid. <laughs> reflective I know it. Sa- what would it say? <laughs> Just what would the... So Batmobile batty. driving. <laughs> okay. Don't hit me, I'm a Batmobile. <laughs> Douche on board. <laughs> That's Batman is- you're talking about right now. <laughs> or a person with money who wants to be Batman. Yeah. My other car is the Batbike? I don't know, what does he call that thing? Oh yeah, what is that thing called? I don't know. Is that just the, an addition the, for I think Dark it's Knight? I think it's the Batman bike. Batman bike. It's probably him. Okay, so the B two the B two bomber. I don't know why I called it a B one. Has two major defenses against radar detection. The first is the plane's radar absorbent surface. Um, Ooh, so I, okay, so how how does that happen? Is it is it paint based? You think? Yeah, I presume radar absorbent, or would that be the shape? I mean, black paint would be more absorbent. I, I presume it's, it is it's black, exactly right? like this so, story was saying inadvertently, but they're doing it intentionally. They're painting it with a type of paint that absorbs the frequencies of electromagnetic radiation that radars use. Oh, that's fascinating. It says parts of the B2, such as the leading edge, are also covered in advanced radioabsorbent paint and tape. These materials are very expensive, and the Air Force has to reapply them regularly. After every flight, repair crews have to spend many hours examining the B2 to make sure it's fit for stealth missions. 
Um, highly reflective metal components such as the plane's engines are all housed inside the composite body. That makes sense. Um, the second element is the plane's shape. So yeah, radio waves bounce off planes in the same way light bounces off a mirror. Um, blah, 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 blah. So it's large flat areas on the top, bottom of the plane are just like tilted mirrors. These flat areas will deflect most radio beams away from the station, presuming the station isn't directly beneath the plane. So yeah, it's half the fact that it is just all these flat surfaces and not rounded corners where some part of that's going to bounce a signal back. Yeah. So yeah. So, so have- what was the significance again? It, it had to do with... Um- like the self-driving cars being able to recognize other cars on the roads? That's exactly it. Yeah, so these, the self-driving cars have either radar or LIDAR, but it's basically the same thing. It's bouncing bouncing electromagnetic radiation off of a surface. It bounces back, and that's that tells the self-driving car what is in front of it and what's around. So it... If so it, if a sorry, so in if the same a, light, way a human like, eye, it's harder to see a black car than a white car in like low light conditions. Yeah. So the, so the way the way radar works is it, it sends out a little signal and it bounces off something and comes back. And depending on how it comes back and whether it comes right. if it comes back uh, a lower frequency as well or a higher frequency, that'll tell you because the Doppler shift whether it's coming towards you or away from you mm-hmm. or the other way around. But, but I'm just imagining like you're at a red light or you're stopped. Yes, and the self-driving car has stopped, and the light turns green or whatever, and there's like a a mom like in a black hoodie and black shirt with like a black stroller. Like, is it going to know what's in front of it, or is it just going to be like, ah, oh, that's not that's nothing? That'll also possibly be a thing. I'm, but I'm I mean, sure that to the extent that it could be for you as a person, also not seeing someone dressed in black at night, you know, like it's sort of a similar problem to the human eye. Are we getting ahead of ourselves with the self-driving car? Like, no, are see, we, but are if, we jumping, if the person is like, that much blended in with their background, because also it'll, it'll like recognize the contrast between it, that, that walking person, and the background the same way you would, your eyes would, or maybe if it's dark enough, you wouldn't, but then again, neither would your eyes. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like you still... Black is definitely worse. That's why people wouldn't say, go for a run wearing all black at night. Right. You know? Right. I don't know. You, you would think with all the, you know, infrared technology that we have we could we could apply that to the car so they would actually be smarter than humans and, and be better able to detect things I like that i think they are they will be well, infrared what, yeah why wouldn't you use infrared so this th- didn't a car recently run over a person is yeah an, the, the, an the uber, uber. An, a, a, well there's been two crashes recently two fatalities one where a tesla crashed and killed the driver and who was uh, using autopilot mode, which does not condone you actually taking your eyes off the road. Yeah, he was uh, like reading a newspaper. According to the reports, um, he'd been warned or, new, yeah. by the the car starts to warn you after a while, like put your hands back on the wheel, and he didn't. He overwrote rode that, and then an Uber crashed in it crashed into a, a pedestrian. Run, right? Yeah, but Just, they hit a person. They, they hit, hit a person. person they hit a someone crossing the road. Walking their bike across the street. Yeah, in the middle of the night, but still. And, and not at a crosswalk, but still. And we have, so it just took off on its own, or it didn't stop. No, it, it just didn't. Stop. It didn't stop. And the human inside, who was meant to be monitoring it, wasn't paying attention. You can see videos from both angles, and she's looking down when it happened. I did not know there was video of this. Yeah, yeah. Oh they they cut the video off before you see anything. Like before, it's not a snuff film, but still, you see enough to kind of know. Yeah, that wow. bad. Wow. Uh, but one of our listeners wrote in to point out how far behind in the standards uber is currently lagging like how they shouldn't be doing tests on open road right now their 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 rate of test um support driver interference like that 
there's like intervention intervention yeah. yeah there's a there's a metric for how frequently the human who's also inside the car for safety has to take the wheels or take control okay and uber's is like a thousand times lower than tesla's and they're still not hitting that limit so oh. as in like the uber technology is still requiring a lot more human intervention got, got it, less, got it, yeah. so it's not like you can have a stance right now that's like entirely pro or entirely anti driverless cars or self-driving cars it's like different companies are at different points in their progression of making this a good safe technology you know right. wow so I still have faith in it long term, but I don't have. I don't mean. I don't know. Yeah, I, who knows? It's if certainly not else unlike will... the tech world to race ahead and keep. Yeah. Work ahead so, of the ability of the technology. Well, I had uh, Michael Shermer on my podcast, and he actually owns a Tesla, and he was talking about how he believes the plan is eventually to have your car that you're driving to work every day also sign up for some sort of ride sharing service. So that you pull into your parking garage and you go to work. And then your car drives off and picks up other people. Yeah, your car can drive around and pick people up and make money for you and then come back at a certain time when you're ready to be picked up from work. Even that's going to be like an in-between sort of thing because I fully believe that – I don't know what the time is, but like I I I bet if you fast forward 50 years and we're still kicking as a species, no one's going to own a car unless they're just like – car fans like the same way no one has a horse right now unless they're just horse fans like you, you it would be silly to own a car it'll all just be this network of of cars you get into and out of and nothing ever has to park because why would you own a car when they're all just driving around and we'll pick you well, up there'll, there'll be people and, who enjoy specifically like that's what I having said, like, their own car and leaving their enthusiasts and like leaving their stuff in it but it will be it'll be yeah it'll be it'll be the exception not the rule to own i think in like 50 I don't know, years I think sooner but I don't want to like be oh wow I think like 20 years you won't own cars yeah but I'm I'm a little more like, I think people will still to an extent but it's yeah, it's going to become increasingly yeah because I'm just thinking about the number of my friends if I lived in New York I wouldn't own a car because New York is not very easy to store a car it's Hollywood would be hard to drive around and there's very good public transport that gets you around so it yep. just it doesn't make sense to have a car in New York and I think you're right. The more s- other cities where it just doesn't make sense to own your own car, the less you can justify it to yourself. You know, where I'm from in Texas, it's not like where everything you can walk out this door and there's 15 places to eat within walking distance. And most places across the country are not like that. Like where I grew up, in order to go to any restaurant, the first, the closest restaurant was 18, 20 minutes away. Yeah. And it's just everything is so spread out there that, you know, an Uber 20 minutes to eat and then an uber home that's going to be a 45 dollars ride no, I'm, I, but think, you know, think so. bigger like in this version of the world there could be whatever the last car you were in might just stay in your driveway until you because it's all part of this network of things that we're paying you're for a subscription to and why would you care about ownership of this piece of equipment all it is is a tool yeah and, and that's fungible. And you know like what something to to your argument is the, how much leasing has exploded people will have a really? lease a car for two or three years and they don't they don't even plan on ever owning it yeah. and they just turn it in at the end of the term and get a new car and it's it's sort of like that at like a, a, a hyper speed of leasing like yeah. i'm just going to lease it for this drive totally. and it'll sit here in case someone in my neighborhood needs it and then it'll just go get them or know. i'm sure you can have yeah. different levels of like like anything you could set up pay scales where there's one where it'll never leave your house because you want to be able to know you can have it instantly if you are in one of those remote places or like you pay a little less and then it's free to go on other errands if you're up at, you know like yeah think of all the things you could do if you just that's didn't a need a person in it that's really I, I mean, cool i'm no i'm no futurist i'm just an yeah. optimist that's just cool. all the things you sort of worry about like oh god if i go if i go there then i'm gonna worry about parking if i 
yeah. if I yeah, yeah. none of that well and the I, oil I, changes I just don't want to own a car yeah I want to be so nice all the you know the flat tire the radiator the stuff needs to be repaired like all of that goes away but then then there will be people who are like well I don't want to give over control of when I can go places and where I can go to a third party company that's gonna there is something about know like your they, data well also that they're gonna charge me by the hour or by the day they're gonna I I am that there is cars like people people I think there is a sort of backlash people don't like the idea of people like to have the at least the sense of control I think you'll still have all that sense of con- not even sense that you'll have that same level of control eventually but you at, just won't have to actually own it at the scale he's talking about it would be so readily available that it wouldn't yeah, be a big deal once it's just but like at the same time ubiquitous. I can I can uh, I can attest to that um, there was a time when I, I had a vehicle that I was paying on and it was fairly new and I I had a company that I owned I sold that company and got a big sum of money at one time and paid off my vehicle and it was just like the most freedom I've ever felt in my life like I had this car that was in great shape as a truck actually and it was paid for I had no payments on it yeah. you could not have you know there's no way I would have gotten rid of that you know right. in that situation so there, I, I think you're right I think 50 years is way too soon 50 I'm, is too soon I think it's think? too soon yeah what? I'm thinking oh, man. I'm thinking upwards of 80 to 100 I'm, I'm thinking like <sighs> two generations maybe I, I was kind of hoping I just bought this that Mazda you see out there used new last last summer and I was like could this be my last car <laughs> can I can I drive this until wow. you don't need to own a car anymore but you're not a futurist I come mean, on yeah you are but no, I mean I, I guess my futurist I mean I'm no like expert or anything I just have my hunches about how things go and like it's a great idea though but I mean the bigger problem I think is that um, and I think maybe I've also been listening too much of the Sam Harris podcast is like AI advances could fuck us in a really quick mm-hmm. fashion that we don't anticipate before we get to the point where we just have all the conveniences and none of the downsides. But uh, I did a I did an event with Sam in Toronto. We uh, I hosted an event where I got just interviewed him on stage in front of a, th- a theater. There were only three of us on stage. It was me, Sam, and Sarah Hader. And uh, I hosted the event, and we got into some AI talk. Yeah, like, it was he's really very cool. pessimistic. On yeah, AI. yeah, it was very cool. I mean. Hey. Sorry, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? Um, just like, yeah, I want to be optimistic on all these things, but like when he points to other technologies that ended up having these quantum leaps forward that no one predicted, yeah. you're like, oh shit, yeah, we might be way far behind on reining this in, and it might just one day cross uh You know what? <laughs> and Rubicon to confirm that, yeah. I watched a YouTube video of a guy who went to the future and came back to <laughs> warn us, and he was really warning us about AI. Oh, I know that guy. So, He's good. He's good. Yeah. It's, you know him? Wow. Well, it's... Mm. <laughs> I mean, he's from the future, so he's smart. Pro- probably. Uh, so, you know how else you could get a car? How could you get a car, Matt? You could 3D print it from your own feces if you're an astronaut. Oh, astronaut 3D printed feces cars. <laughs> Justin Broad sent in this story, but he sent in a new scientist story, and it's paywalled. So I found another one that I put in the document. This is the same version, same story. Okay, good. Stolen. And if you is, look is at feces the top there, spelled American in the new one. Stolen news. Uh, is it American feces or British feces in this new story? It's uh, the weird AE. You know what I mean? It's got the AE. Oh, okay. Oh, hang on a second. Where's that? Oh, there we go. All right. So a recent study carried out by researchers at the University of Calgary. So what they're doing up in? You know what, Calgary? I've been to Calgary. A lot of smart people, but also there's a lot of feces. A lot, a lot of, of shit up there. That's true. They got a lot. It's a cattle and oil, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the Texas of Canada. It's I've. I've done a fair few gigs up in that part of the country. It's very enjoyable time. But is a it, lot of is cows. Is the biggest mall in the world? Is that Edmonton? Or? That's Edmonton. Okay. West Edmonton. I don't know if it is the biggest because there's also the Mall of America. But West Edmonton Mall has 
a water park inside it that I highly recommend. Oh, nice. I think Had Mall a, of America has a roller coaster or water park. Oh, yeah, there's a roller coaster too. I think both of them do. I think that's the thing. If you're having a world record-sized mall, you need to have... You need to have a roller coaster. You need to have a water park. Right, right. There's also that, a shooting range. There's a, and a roller coaster that almost hits the ground yeah. and goes through something it should never go through, like a salon or something. <laughs> yeah. Norris Julius. <laughs> yeah, or like a Jackson Hewitt tax preparation center. <laughs> Just <laughs> every four minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> they just like if you've been there for, if you've worked there a while you know when it's time to like hold the documents down <laughs> every, th- every three minutes just all the papers get blown off the desk face screaming tourists i forgot for a while i was going to the dentist in the mall that's not a good that's not a good time no when you're at that point on unemployment when you switch to the mall dentist and then the roller coaster comes through yeah. the dentist yeah. office when we made the <laughs> the UK TV version of Setlist, mm-hmm. the production company has its offices above a shopping mall. That's not good. And it's really weird because it's a good production company. Princess Productions, they do a lot of great stuff. And they even have a studio there where they have a, like a morning show that's filmed live out of there. So mm-hmm. we were there and like, there was one day Simon Pegg was being interviewed. So he was just walking, had to walk through the mall and then up <laughs> to the no secret <laughs> entrance. But it is, it is weird because it's just, it's, it's just in Bayswater in West London and it's just above a shopping mall. Right. It was useful. Like there was a time, like I spilled some, I spilled some tea on my shirt and I just went down to H and M and bought a new one. Oh, it was useful. But, um, Anyway, a recent study carried out by researchers at the University of Calgary has found a novel solution to two different problems that often face astronauts on long-term space exploration missions. Dr. May Ar- Arcelana Panlilo, Panlilio sorry, and colleagues developed a mo- method to s- dispose of human waste in a sanitary way that will also be useful for the provision of equipment and supplies using a special genetically engineered enzyme the feces can be transformed into a special bioplastic substance, which can then be used as a 3D printing material in order to fabricate new items when necessary. Figuring out a way to dispose of waste has long been an issue with space travel, as conditions are cramped and water supplies are necessarily limited. The logistics and high costs involved with space exploration projects also mean that an absolute bare minimum supplies can be taken, as a slight increase in weight can mean a huge increase in fuel necessary to propel you into orbit. The Calgary Researchers Project could provide a solution to both these issues at the same time. As we previously reported, 3D printing technology has been suggested as a solution to reduce the amount of equipment required, and now it's possible that the materials for the printing might turn out to be even easier to access on-site than the space dust previously suggested. So I guess space dust was a previous option. Oh, that just seems like way harder to get than shit, yeah. So the team consulted a number of space industry professionals as part of their research, including Canadian astronauts, Dr. Robert Thursk and probably science podcast alum Chris Hadfield, <laughs> Colonel Chris Hadfield. I'm guessing that's not really in there. Not, that's not true. in there, but it is true. true. Okay. And Dr. Matthew Bamsey, who's chief systems engineer at the German Aerospace Center, plus Dr. Pascal Lee, principal investigator of the Horton Mars Project and NASA Ames Research Center and co-founder of the Mars Institute. The toilet situation on most spacecraft is similar to aircraft with a vacuum tube system transporting waste safely and cleaning away into a tank. The researchers proposed introducing extra bacteria into this tank, specially selective for their chemical behaviors through genetic engineering. These bacteria would break down the excrement into further substances, one of which would be recyclable as material for 3D printing. 
After being pumped into a tank, the first stages of fermentation of the waste happens naturally. Natural gut bacteria break down the waste, so the substances known as volatile fatty acids, VFAs, are secreted. VFA is then extracted into a further tank. Is this is this the stage in the process where Jenkum is created, by the way? Oh, <laughs> the fake drug? Sta- the natural fermentation that happens? I believe so. Okay. Where the intervention can happen in order to produce the final desired product. The research has made use of E. coli bacteria, pinpointing the exact genes that were responsible for the secretion of the desired substance, polyhydroxybutyrate, which is PHB. These genetically modified bacteria fine-tuned in order to secrete large volumes of PHB were then implanted into a second tank containing VFA. This VFA was secreted from the initial tank of artificial human feces left naturally to ferment. What is artificial human feces? Is that from a joke shop? I know they use... (laughs) Bullshit. I know they use miso paste to test the flushability of toilets because that's the most similar thing they've found to uh, the consistency of... Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Good little fact. Mm -hmm. The VFA-rich stream is continuously fermented in anaerobic conditions. The continuous fermentation is achieved by use of a filter which can separate out unused bacteria from the resultant PHB stream and recycle it back into the tank to further ferment the VFAs. As for the PHB-rich stream, this is further filtered in order to separate out the water, which can then be recycled to go back into the toilet at the start of the waste disposal system. All very efficient. The remaining solid PHB is then left to dry for a while, after which no time, no further processing needs to be done, and it's ready for use. Can I suggest one further piece of processing? Just some like food coloring, just something, <laughs> just something. to change. <laughs> you have like a it's 3D like the printed end- brown toothbrush. Right. By the end of your mission, everything is brown. <laughs> <that you're using. laughs> the PHB oh. that can then be used in a selective laser sintering 3D pro- printer. Heard the word sintering before. Yeah printer without the need for additional processing and this high precision technology can be used to create all kinds of equipment and supplies that might be needed over the course of a long space journey yeah i think it's a great idea and if you look back through evolutionary biology you'll see that the things that use the least amount of resources and leverage their own production have lasted the longest like raccoons yeah yeah like 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 raccoons can do all kinds of stuff they're like they have like these um opposable thumbs thumbs? yeah like yeah like they have this thing like they're and they can eat just about anything like their stomachs have adapted like Uh they, they can do so much and that's kind of what we're doing with this right we're like hey maybe we can they're basically taking everything that's negative about the human experience and going, how can we leverage this in a positive way? Yeah. It's almost like when you go to see an illusionist, right? And, and they, you're like, there's no way that could happen. And then they do it, and you're like, that's amazing. At least they make you believe it happened, right? Right, right. In, in that sort of way, I think that's how illusionists often write their illusions, is how amazing would it be if I stood up and walked out that door and then I came out of the bathroom? That's There's got to be a way to make that happen. I don't know if that's how raccoons <laughs> plan it on purpose, yeah. but I'm saying that if we take that approach of how can we take like human feces, something that we right now have to store, it's gross, it's got bacteria in it, and we have to dump it somewhere. What if we use that to our advantage? Is that possible? And, and they start working on a way to make it happen. I never thought 3D printing would be the way, yeah. but it makes sense. It that's does really cool. Just You knew what you were doing when you sent in that story. We love a 3D printer story. I, mean, I would have liked love- to have one picture attached to this story. Just like I would. give There's us a diagram an of one. Just, have they done it yet? I, I, I doubt. That this Is this all conceptual or have they actually? Like, um, yeah, I'm not sure. The, the article just has like a flow chart with a process. It doesn't have 
a straight up. God, how how meta would it be that they're three D printing shit toilet paper? <laughs> and you're now wiping your ass with your former shit. Well, I think the, the re- thing- I think the most meta thing would be a joke shop three D printing fake shit. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ingredients in the back of it says ingredients shit. species. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you tricked me. Well, I didn't really. I, I didn't. Mean, yeah, it's, it's fake shit, but it's kinda, made with real shit. So uh, yeah, but it's still fake. So yeah. I got you. <laughs> I got, got, admit that I got you. You would walk out of there wondering, do I have real shit or not? I don't like, know. What, what is it even? <laughs> This is, I mean, we need to go to the philosophy department right. to work this one out. It's like, it's it's like that Joaquin Phoenix movie. It's like, is this, uh, is he doing a character? Is, yeah. this, uh, is this real it shit would, or fake shit? Either way, it's shit. Well, it's Joaquin it's Phoenix poopception. Movie, but, uh, yeah. It's fake shit within <laughs> real shit, but it's made to look like fake shit. <laughs> All in a, at a gag shop. Yeah. But they it's also... It's a shit snake eating its own shit tail. Yeah. <laughs> it's, what, what is going on? It's like MC Escher. What the hell is this? Well, while we are talking about 3D printers, listen to Jessica McGee. Oh, by the way, Claire wrote back to say we can. Yeah, f- feel free to credit her with uh, her oh, piece you story. Just asked yeah, again, she right? fly back. So thank you, Claire. Ballsy, yeah. Uh, Jessica McGee says, uh, "Has anyone ever sent you guys something that was three D printed? I have a few printers, and we have yes, to print yes, you something." Yes, yes, <gasps> yes, yes. So I, I fake poop, haven't fake poop, fake poop. Well, that's <laughs> fake one. Poop. She, she says she's already printed a couple of items, but what Thingverse.com and MyMiniFactory.com apparently has lists of templates for the people it's just sort of an open source thing where people have put up templates of things right. that they've 3d printed that you could just download and then just print yourself so can i've you got to decide on some fun things to print we've got to decide what we want from jessica i've she emailed a couple of weeks ago we've been leaving her hanging what's that site called again with thing, the templates thingy verse thing thing and then the letter i v e r s e i want to see if you can sort these by popularity and just see what the most Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing, like, iPhone cases, right? Is that a, probably a... Uh... I'm sure that's a thing. Oh, there's some cool shit on here. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll come up with a good one. So we've got to think about that. And listeners, if you have any suggestions for cool things, write in or tweet us at Probably Science. Comment on the Squarespace Power Probably Science website, where you can also find the donation button. That you can. You can. Thank you very much to the people who have monthly donations. You can also do individual one-off donations, but some monthly ones have come through including brand new donations, brand new monthly setups from Jimmy Holst and Jeffrey Gelbach. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? I hope so, Jeffrey. Thank you very much. Also, thank you, Zvonimir Kroons, Jacob Rochester, Stuart Holding, uh, William Mulligan, and thank you very much, Justin Broad, for your kind, very kind monthly donation and also frequent stories. And thank you, as always, very, very much to Linda Moulton. That's extremely generous of you. Thank you, Linda. Who also, I found out recently, is a fellow Interlochen uh, Music Camp alum. Oh, really? Yep, yep. I forgot what instrument, but um, yep. Very cool. So you can donate there. That helps us keep this thing going. Helps us in 3D printed poops and all sorts of good stuff. You can also help us by spreading the word, tweeting, Facebooking, uh, writing about us on your social media of choice and giving us nice comments on your podcast listener of choice, including iTunes and all that good stuff. Uh, do we have time? We've got time for another story, yeah. right? Yeah, this isn't, we're not even at an hour, so. Are we not? Nope. Well, what st- other stories would you like to cover? Um, do you have a particular favorite? Well, there is the puzzling case of two women who lost their hair after eating bitter squash. I think that's a good story. <laughs> is that a good what? Jake Young sent that in. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, for those who hate eating their vegetables, it's easy to imagine they're actually toxic plants masquerading as food. Oh, Ars Technica. Um, but many of the common vegetables, fruits, spices, and other plant matter. Ars Technica is a repeat offender for the shitty joke and opener. I don't even know if joke. I have to ask a question here. Have you guys ever received like an email or a story, a link to a story like this, and then read it and covered it on the show, and then to find out later it was so often it was fake oh, or it was like an, oh, absolutely. That's, that's okay. why the probably is in there covers our ass for all those times we didn't okay. do our due diligence ahead of time. Okay. We have, and okay. in some cases because it was just a flat out bullshit story that we fell for, or that you know we just didn't look into too closely. And then sometimes it was more often what's happened is it's been a story that's been reported in numerous case in numerous places. And then four days later, an article's come out that's gone, no, it's not actually true that this is the case. And everyone kind of got a bit carried away. And this is what the paper actually says. So normally, so there was that, a, there that's was a part happened of me, to us a lot. There was a part of me that was like, maybe all of these are fake and I'm going to leave and you guys are going to go... I think David Smalley actually thought those were real. Like, <laughs> what a jackass. Space station and like, making re- toothbrushes out of right, it. Right, really? Shit toothbrushes? Really, David? So I just, I just didn't know how much of this was... No, like, but we, you know, we, we pull up... Most of our articles come from pretty reputable, like Scientific American. We get a lot from New Scientist, BBC, that kind of thing. And then... But then also, we are lucky enough to have listenership that, in, listenership that includes numerous... Scientists of different disciplines. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. awesome. And but there do, are, there do you ever are have people who will write in and go with the real version of what we're talking yeah. about? And th- th- there's definitely a repeatability issue, reproducibility issue with a lot of science today. And I think that is especially the case in the social sciences. If I'm not mistaken, those are the ones that are kind of most prone. Like there'll be some psych- psychology study that comes out that says something surprising. And past guest Peter McGraw, who teaches psychology at University of Colorado, um, said the sort of rule do reek sense are usually the ones that end up being valid. So facial expressions. So people with Botox report like a lower ability to like their loved ones reported that they were less receptive to like less uh, able to read their emotions. So, so the theory is that when you if you frown at me or make a face at me. I don't instantly register that as sadness. I have to sort of make the same face myself and then think about what making that face makes me feel. This sort of theory that like smiling can actually make you happy, you know? That's the basic, that was what the okay. point of the study was. Can, okay. can an actual facial expression then bring about the emotion? And the theory was yes, and people with Botox have basically um, made themselves, uh, have blinded themselves to this ability to mimic so we set up this whole experiment, had people do these tests before and after. We show them just like a very narrow image of two eyes, and those eyes were, were demonstrating very subtle, different emotions. Had them test beforehand, what is this? What is this emotion? What is this emotion? Before they get Botox, they all got Botox on the dime of the production company, I think, which ended <laughs> up being... Seems oh, yeah, it was a big... No, I mean, it was, we, we, they searched for wow. people who already wanted Botox. So they wanted Botox. Okay. And I think they got around it by... And they were just, like, like grabbing the receptionist, like... It was, it was a tricky thing production-wise, because they had to... Uh, I think they had to just pay for themselves, and they're like, okay, then we'll just pay you, like, $500 for being on this. Went all the way through this. We're at the point that we're shooting the after... So having them take the test again to see if it's harder for them now that they can't move as much of their face because it paralyzes your facial muscles is what Botox right, does. You're okay. putting botulism toxin in your face to stop muscles from moving and thereby not create wrinkles. And as we're doing that last part, 
a new study came out that refuted the earlier one. And like, how do we write this into the script? <laughs> because we've just paralyzed six people's faces. Oh, but they wanted to. Everyone wants Botox. I mean, th- it's not hard to find people in LA who will take free Botox. Right. We're not holding somebody down like Clockwork so, Orange. Uh, so what did you do? Did you, did you go through with it? And, and Yeah, but we just, the, host, the host just said, and, and by the way, you know, we never said any of these are like conclusive scientific experiments, but interesting things. And it's also interesting to note that science is a self-correcting field and there was another study recently saying the opposite is that's good in our small in our small sample it did show that the people had a slightly lowered ability to read those emotions but again it was a small sample group really? it was probably like a dozen people so it, no one would call that a real scientific like a valid controlled study but hmm, uh, something to consider it was interesting. interesting it was yeah it made for good tv <laughs> and like interviewing the families about the the time when they were had gotten it to see whether the kids thought the parents were like less you know, emotionally connected. Not or or, or maybe talks. we do a lot of, we do a lot of, you know, nonverbal communication. The vast majority of our communication is nonverbal. And so if I'm talking to you and your facial, and your, your facial muscles just aren't moving at all, yeah, you're, I'm definitely going to believe you're not connecting with me in some way. Even if you are on the inside of your brain, you're not showing me that you are. Yeah. I feel like I'm looking at, you know, like, you know, like uh, Mike Myers in his Halloween mask, <laughs> and I'm just going to be like, I'm not really getting anything from you. And th- yeah, there's also so it may be the pe- perception that right. they're not really connecting when they may be because people also like mimic each other's. I feel like people talking in public, they'll mimic each other's like stances, you know, and postures as a form of of showing alliance. You'll make someone's gestures back at them, sort of, you know, like you'll see two people both with their arms crossed, or so. Yeah, it's that's a basic. Have part. you ever had someone tell you something? Like that they find surprising, and then before you even have a chance to react, they make a shocked face because they expect you to. <laughs> They're like she pulled out right in front of me, <laughs> and then they wait and they, and they wait for you to be like, "I'm like, why are you so amazed when you were clearly <laughs> yeah, there?" That when, seems like such a southern thing, though. When you did that, I was yeah. like, I can picture that that character, and it's like a southern lady. It's like, oh, yeah. could you believe? Oh, and you haven't even yeah. responded yet, but yeah, she's now yeah. shocked at her own words. <laughs> can you believe it? Um, before you go back to Jake Young's squash story, breaking news, Andy. Oh, we just got oh, an email shit. through. Uh-oh. Just, uh, About it's more for us than anything else. It's not a news of national <gasps> importance. Holy shit. But we got a very generous, very, very generous donation. Leslie Sanwo, holy shit. Who just said, just heard about Amazon. We lost the Amazon affiliates thing because they finally realized that we shouldn't have had it. <laughs> and we were getting quite a fair amount of money from them. Oh, wow. So Wesley just sent through a very generous, the very, biggest, very generous. The biggest donation we've ever gotten. In yeah. The podcast. Not the, oh not the biggest. So the biggest single gen- The biggest donation. single yeah, donation. Yeah. I think uh, if we're talking about. Continuous donations. Linda Moulton still holds that record. Yes, by, I'm not, not, not but to say I'll, I love. All I don't. Of I don't want to pit them like against children, each other. Man, I don't. I just that. don't want anyone to feel. But yeah, as a as a one off donations, that's comfortably the biggest one. Thank you very much, Wesley. That was very very generous of you. The message we, said, "Just heard about Amazon. Please accept this as from an anti Amazoner." <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> accepted. Accepted. Also, I don't want to set the precedent to future sponsors that we might turn on you viciously someday <laughs> if you stop sponsoring us. But uh, I, I'm curious how. What was the time difference between Amazon canceling that and you getting Alexa? Oh, I bought this before. We just got we just lost our our, our affiliate thing like last week or two weeks ago. But you've I, had Alexa I for a bought while. Bought the Alexa. <gasps> what if she was reporting back to headquarters? That's what I'm oh. saying. Oh, yeah, Alexa, what were you doing? That's what I'm saying. That was you my whole bad girl. You spy. Yeah. Are you paranoid about that kind of stuff? Devices in your house? Uh, not really. No. I mean, I no. 
Because I don't do anything of substance. Right. I mean, I, I, I guess... I, I mean, all of my stuff that happens interesting in my house already is recorded it's, it's by me recorded. and put out, so there's nothing for me to really hide, so... Yeah, it's like a sex tape from a porn star. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You, got, you got me on tape fucking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, big... Yeah, exactly. So many of these common vegetables, fruits, spices... Spices? Spices. <laughs> spices. That's the British pronunciation. <laughs> That's not the end of... That is... You know what that is? Why that stuck in my head? Because we were matrices. No, it's... no, on on the Jim Jeffrey show, uh, available to watch now. Episode three just came out on Comedy Central. Please tune in. But we did a really stupid thing. It was it was a silly act for when Spicer got fired, and at the same time, O.J. Simpson was let out of prison. Right. So it was a. <laughs> and we just you're not gonna get you're not gonna guess well, what juice we is did. loose the spice is nice it was the, but we just did the, the opening credits of the sitcom spicy in the juice with a <laughs> okay. oh. with a song that that we wrote lucas wrote the music uh, past alum of the show lucas kavner of probably science wrote the music and we all wrote some stupid lyrics and spicy in the juice was Spicy uh, in the juice. Spicy in the, spicy juice. In the juice. And that's why I just saw that. And it just came up in the office yesterday, which is why spicy is still in my head. But look that up. I think we put the whole of that video online. It's I'll, if, if, we've, if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But spices, fruits, vegetables, and other plant matter that we shovel in our faces do co- contain toxins, albeit at minor and generally harmless amounts, which includes vegetables in the curcurbitaceae family also called curcurbits or gourds maybe we could have just started with gourds then yeah which contain a class of poisons called curcurbitacins why am i doing all the reading this week i can finish it the toxic steroids are among the most bitter tasting (laughs) compounds biochemists have ever come across and in the plants they function as a defense against herbivores most domesticated varieties of gourds have have had high levels of curcurbitacins. <laughs> curcurbitacins? Enjoy. Curcurbitacins. <laughs> Bred out of them. All right, I'll do the rest of this okay. one. <laughs> <laughs> but stressful growing conditions such as droughts or high temperatures can cause plants to boost production. Also, accidental cross-pollination with wild, bitter varieties can up toxin levels. Uh, as such, consumers can occasionally come across super bitter gourds and suffer what some researchers call toxic squash syndrome if they eat them. This may happen more often than people might think. A recent analysis in France tallied 353 cases between 2012 and 2016. I bet the French eat more uh, gourds. I've than- had a really like excessively bitter courgette slash zucchini before. That's what it's called? Yeah, we call them courgettes. <laughs> but I've had excessively bitter ones before. You just eat them and ah, that just tastes wrong. And I, That's in the same stop. family of vegetables, right? I, I would guess. But I mean, we're not talking about... After the first bite, if like, this tastes too bitter to eat? I've, yeah, I have done. I've gone like, oh. this, is, this, this is not right. This just tastes weird and toxic so could this happen in like your regular like like grocery store down the street the yellow that's, squash green squash stuff that's what they're saying yeah um of these the ones in france more than 50 percent were due to squash consumed from a grocery store uh that said the fda uh said that these cases are rare in the u.s when it does happen toxic squash syndrome is usually marked by diarrhea sometimes bloody vomiting and abdominal pain which can sometimes lead to dehydration, low blood pressure, rapid heartbeat, headaches, and vertigo. If eaten in high enough levels, the poisons can lead to lethal fluid buildup in the lungs, pulmonary edema. Uh, but according to a recent case reported in JMA, JAMA Dermatology, uh, another puzzling symptom is hair loss. 
Who saw this one? I thought this was going to be a much more fun story. But oh, well, sorry, whatever. It's, uh... by, by fun, I mean like lighthearted. As oh, a, yeah, I'm yeah, enjoying yeah. this I'm just, as, a, as, a, as an interest story, but I thought this would be like, this will be the funny, cute story that right. we end the thing with. I'm just imagining, I'm waiting for you guys to just roll this into like a McDonald's live read or something. <laughs> is this going to be like, <laughs> and this is why you should yeah, right? eat more yeah. french fries. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do you find it hard uh, keeping all your hair on you? When you eat good vegetables, yeah. got gourd heads out there obsessed with these with the zooks and cukes. Try French fries. So the, yeah, these two women in France, separately poisoned by toxic gourds, suffered substantial uh, standard gastrointestinal distress directly afterwards. But days later, they also experienced substantial hair loss. The first woman got sick immediately after eating a very bitter pumpkin soup, suffering nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Then a week later, she started losing chunks of hair from her scalp and pubic area. So it's like a win-lose. Uh, uh, it's a yeah. She's saving money. <laughs> Her family also had some of the soup and initially got sick. I'm but, sorry. But then they didn't eat as much as she did and didn't experience any hair loss. Similarly, the second woman ate a meal with her family that included squash. While her family skipped the squash because it tasted bitter, she ate on and experienced mm. severe vomiting an hour later that lasted for hours. Three don't do late- math and don't eat on, guys. I think that's the lesson from this. Yeah. Week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, three weeks later, she too la- lost large amounts of hair from her scalp, armpits, and pubic region. So I wonder if there is some sort of lawsuit involved in this, right? If they're going to say, well, you took the first bite, and everyone else, it was so bitter, no one else ate it. You kept eating. Is there any sort of culpability on her part that she continued to know. show this in her face, even though clearly something was wrong with it? That's a good question. I, I don't know... mean to be all victim-blaming. I feel no, bad no, for her, uh, but that's... You... Hmm. I I was gonna say as long as they were within their like use by date, but even use by dating is is sort of a bullshit thing. And right <laughs> now I have to quote another podcast, but this is also one of my favorite episodes of Nine Nine Percent Invisible. Look up the one on um, sell by dating because it turns out that whole system is completely arbitrary and yeah. basically it's no better than just if it tastes wrong, don't eat it. But like those dates, so much food gets thrown away because it has to in this country legally once it hits this date where it's actually still fine. Mm-hmm. So months anyway. later, some hair had regrown on both women. The hair that hadn't fallen out showed signs of breakage and weakness. Uh, the doctor didn't speculate how curcubitacins may have affected the hair loss, though he noted that other toxic plants can do so by shutting down cell division. Unfortunately, there's little work on it in general to help figure it out. There are also 12 different categories of curcubitacins that show up in various types of gourd, all likely to have their own cellular effects. In the 60s, researchers tried to study certain of them uh, (laughs) as possible drugs to treat cancer because they're particularly good at killing tumor cells. But the work was largely abandoned when the researchers found out that the compounds were simply too toxic to be used for any medical benefits and more toxic than chemotherapy, apparently. Jesus. The timing and length of hair regrowth in the two women does not seem to leave a doubt that the bitter gourds were behind the hair loss. It seems important and useful to be aware of this toxic association of alopecia with a common plant, but it may be more important and useful to make people aware that if their pumpkin or squash dishes taste extremely bitter, don't eat them. Yeah, this is going to be hard for the National Gourd Farmers of America Association and their Got Gourds campaign. Yeah. Uh, is there a way to test it ahead of time? Like, can they start doing some some QC right before it goes out to see if it's got the? It does seem like if it is that is it, if we pinpointed the chemical, it wouldn't be that hard to like right to like stick something in it and see if it turns blue. Yeah, and this batch you know, is, is yeah. the poison batch, or is a is a group of chemicals? I think rather than a one specific oh. chemical. Kirk, 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 I still can't think of like the best possible way to pronounce. Can that I word. see it? 
curcurbitacin. I can't guess where the accent would be. Curcurbitacins. Curcurbitacins, not curcurbitacins. Right. I would say curcurbitacins. Curcurbitacins. That would that would be my guess in my audiobook experience. Okay. That's what I would do. But curcurbitacins, you said. Curcurbitacins. Yeah, why not? And yeah. a word like that, not many people are going to know for sure. Oh yeah, if we just confidently said that from the start, we'd yeah. be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, never show weakness. <laughs> don't eat the bitter gourds. I can't think of the last time I've had a gourd. Cucumber is not correct. I don't think I make so. squash. I make squash quite squash. often. I do sautéed squash with. I love to cook, oh, okay. and I'm constantly like. Like sort of pan searing yeah, yeah. squash. And I don't even cook it a lot because you, the more you cook it, the more nutrients you're cooking out of it. So yeah, okay. I just like lightly saute it in olive oil and then throw it on, you know, you got me. as a side. So I, I want, but it I'm sounds like cooking doesn't actually break down these chemicals anyway, so that right. wouldn't make a difference. Is it? Oh, okay. Oh, I have, now I think about it, I have had spaghetti squash in the last few months. I do love that. There you go. Yep. Damn yeah, it. I knew it's, you were lying about your squash intake. You guys Your know me. gourd consumption. <laughs> gourd consumption. I don't want to be honest in this podcast about my gourds. Yeah, you fucking liar. <laughs> you, you pig and gourd deceit. Listen, my toothbrush is made of shit. I eat a lot of gourds. I've, I've got some secrets. And he, uh, and he doesn't drive his own car. I don't. I have no idea who that belongs to. Hey. Yes. Uh, David. Yes. Dave. Dave to your non friends. Not Davey. Yeah. Davey boy. Where, where, can I, where can our listeners find out all about you and everything you do? Everything I do is at davidcsmalley.com. My Twitter is David C. Smalley. My Patreon is David C. Smalley. Everything. David C. Smalley. Follow that. You can listen to the podcasts. Yep. Numerous. We have, the, we have, the, we have the, the Smalley Effect podcast. is usually with comedians. We just had Marilyn Rice Cup on from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And she was Chloe on 24, for mm-hmm. those who don't know. And Mr. Show. I'm huge and Mr. Mr. Show. Show. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, she was great. And, um, you know, I, I usually bring in comedians uh, to do stuff. And then Dogma Debate, you know, we talked with, we talked with people who were anti-science quite often. And I try to get them on the dark side. And, How do you um, get them on the show? I can't imagine it's easy to book those people. It's because I'm, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just always very respectful in my challenges. Yeah. I don't, I don't talk down to them. Uh, I understand that a lot of times the way they got to their view is because they honestly believe they're doing the most good for the world. Right. And I just disagree as to what that good is and what it means to be good. And so we get to talk about that. We talk about morality. We talk about the Bible. But it's always respectful challenges. Okay. So, um, and t- to be fair, that's almost a really good reason why we separated things out to the Smalley Effect podcast because when we wouldn't have a Christian or, a, you know, someone from the right wing on or something like that. Or like an astrologer or whatever. It, right. It would be it would be one of us. It would be like three or four of us so sitting just, around just talking. <laughs> no, well, it would be that, but, you know, we it's would drop F-bombs. No, we would drop F-bombs and have comedians on and then pastors would listen to that episode and go, I don't want to be on that show. Oh, I see, I see. Or they would get the idea that they're going to walk into the lion's den with four science-minded, atheist-dropping F-bomb comedians. And you're there to be the bait right and so that's not the case at all whenever i have a christian on to talk about their faith it's just me and that person in the studio and so we we just talk where they call in and we just have i mean some of these conversations go over three hours and they're deep dive respectful conversations about various parts of their belief and so I, we separated those out so i could still have the fun stuff on the smalley effect with comedians and the, the yeah. news stories and covering emails like you guys do 
but then still be able to sit down with a Christian and have a serious, respectful conversation. So that's awesome. Oh, I would love for people to check that out. We're lacking a lot of that. Just like civil, <laughs> actual discussions on things that aren't just like name calling and putting someone in a box. Well, so yeah, the great. nuance is completely dying. And, and, yeah, and Matt yeah. and I talked about this the last time he was on my show is, you know, especially online. If you have any sort of differing view from the mob, you're just going to get attacked you're, you're, and you're, nobody's going to listen. And then they go, oh, how come you're not defending yourself and, anymore? And because also nothing the, I say matters. That's why. And also the th- most of the social media, particularly Facebook, is algorithmically optimi- optimized to separate the people with those views and then only amplify the people who have those views closest to them. So you end up just... <clears throat> oh, yeah. I, I can't tell you. There was a recent blow up on my Facebook and someone came there. Like, There's multiple comments that go like this. I have no idea who you are. I've never heard of you. But from what I read, you're a real shithead. <laughs> Get your shit together. I hate you. Moron, jackass, idiot. And I'm yeah. like, you... All in one thing, you've admitted you have no idea who I am or why you're attacking me. But Someone because the mob is attacking, saying, they're yeah. just running by and kicking and going, yeah, fuck this guy. It's right. so silly. And so we've got, to, we've got to keep the nuance going. And that's, why, that's what I like about Dogma Debate is that it's a deep dive, nuanced discussion about very sensitive topics. We, talk, we cover abortion. We cover belief. We cover hell. We cover homosexuality in the Bible. And we, we deep dive into this stuff. And, and listeners can take these types of conversations and go... You know, I can actually talk to my mom about this stuff again right. because I've found a productive, respectful way to approach the topic. So that's great. I'll check it out. That's what we do. Yeah, so check sure. that out. David C. Smalley on all social media, davidcsmalley.com. Yep. You can find us, as I said before, at Probably Science, probablyscience.com, Facebook slash Probably Science. You can email us, probablyscience at gmail.com with questions, comments, clarifications, stories you'd like us to cover. Also, tell us what we should 3D print. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we'll we'll send a couple of requests. Templates there. And and I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to try to run 100 meters faster yeah. than Simon. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try it. Take a video and hashtag it uh, with Dick. Dick, Dick hashtag Dick Tracy Dick Challenge. Tracy yeah. challenge. Okay. <laughs> and, do that. Uh, Matt, how fast at, did he do it? How he fast did 18.3 for 100 meters. 18.3 seconds. So like half the speed of Usain Bolt. Basically. Wow, that's pretty good. So okay. I'm yeah, I'm individually at. Matt Kirshen, Andy is at Andy T. Wood. But no longer on Facebook as of last week. Oh, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> I, we'll, see if it, we'll see if it takes. See I mean, how long it lasts. I haven't been tempted, so it's uh, I, deli- so I deleted it from my phone, just the app, and it was weirdly hard for the first two days, and then after that, I don't, I'm fine with that. I did that for a while. I did it, and then I, and I, I got rid of the app, and I stopped using it altogether. I just had my Twitter feeding into my, my like public figure Facebook page, mm-hmm. and it was so peaceful. And then I started working with a couple of charity groups that kept tagging me and stuff on Facebook. And so I would click the link in my email and try to open it in my browser, and it wouldn't let me go to it from a mobile browser. It makes you open the app now. Oh. And so I just finally broke down and reinstalled it, and my life has gone downhill. Yeah, I deleted the app for a little bit, put it back on, then I'm like, no, I have to just deactivate the entire account so I can't be tempted. So, yeah, I haven't missed it so far. Well done. So, yeah. for you. Andy, not on there. Uh, You can... You should check out Twinsies, the podcast that Andy does with friend of the show, TJ Chambers. Speaking of religious stuff, we we were supposed to come out with our um, Godspell versus Jesus Christ Superstar episode in timing with the live one that John Legend did, but uh, schedules didn't work out. We're still going to do that one next. We're just behind. So check that out. And watch the Jim Jeffrey show back on Comedy Central and various other comedy channels in different countries. Yep. Oh, and if you're in LA, come out to the Offbeat on York out in... um, Highland Park on Saturday and uh, past guest Brian Cook and I are going to play a, a police tribute. It's bring your own tribute band night and we're covering the police. So come out to the offbeat on Saturday. 
Um, and then on the 22nd, we're doing another Guilty Treasure at Three Clubs in Hollywood. Check that out. Yep. Go to all of those. David, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week.